crypto for planners. Crypto for planners. Crypto for planners. Crypto for planners. You are now tuned in to Crypto for Planners. All financial advisors are welcome to Crypto for Planners. Crypto for Planners. All right, everyone, welcome to the Crypto for Planners podcast, the, the podcast brought to you by PlannerDAO. Remember, Crypto for Planners, CFP, the only CFP that really matters. This week is a special week. We're going all the way across the pond. Uh, we have our guest, Nicholas Schmidt here. Nicholas is going to uh, be teaching a course coming up, Crypto for Financial Professionals, and, and he can tell you a little bit more about it. Uh, he's been teaching this uh, course for a while, but this is going to be our first Certified Digital Asset Advisor eligible course being taught in a country outside the U.S. by someone outside the U.S. It's going to, going to be taught in Europe. So Nicholas is here joining us from Austria. I believe you're in Austria today, right? You've been telling me about all your travels. So Nicholas, I'm going to open it up to you and, and let you tell us a little bit about where you are now and uh, your, your background, how you got here. Yeah, Adam, uh, thank you very much for inviting me uh, to, to attend this podcast. Uh, greetings from Austria, from Vienna, where I am. Vienna is the capital of Austria. It's very much in the center of Europe. And uh, well, I am a lawyer uh, sitting here in my uh, office uh, on uh, a very central road, a very historic road in, in Vienna. Uh, and I'm very much looking forward to, to, to this interview. All right. Well, tell us, uh, if you don't mind, Nicholas, uh, I guess a, a little bit of ba uh, background, because you're obviously teaching a course on crypto. So yeah, you, you've so. been a lawyer for a while. You're a partner with your firm, and, and you can tell us about the firm. But tell us also about how you got to, to be so interested in crypto and DeFi and everything that you said, I, I just have to teach this. Yeah. Well, I have maybe this kind of split personality. On the one hand, I'm a tax lawyer, which is the most boring area of the law that you can imagine. It's very technical and it changes the whole time and uh, it pays the bills. Yeah? So being a tax lawyer, uh, being a partner at this law firm doing tax lawyers is, is obviously a, a great activity. Uh, but the, the, the part which is really fun, that is the crypto part. And I entered crypto in, in 2013. Uh, I, I learned about uh, Bitcoin and did a lot of reading, uh, uh, purchased uh, uh, sort of my, my first... Uh, Bitcoins at that point in time. Uh, over the years, uh, uh, sort of, I uh, accumulated a lot of knowledge, but it really, sort of, it really took off in 2017. And you will remember, to the 2017 was this incredibly crazy year with I think Bitcoin starting at $1,000 and going up to something like $20,000. And all the newspapers uh, speaking about Bitcoin, crypto, not really understanding <laughs> what was going on. And, uh, and that was the year where I really fully embarked on this and where I, you can say, where I got this virus. Yeah? Before that, I was very sort of like interested reading and, uh, but, but I really sort of uh, uh, engaged in, in this topic. Uh, and I, I did a few um, like courses here, a few uh, client seminars on, on crypto. And, uh, uh, and that was actually the, uh, the groundwork for what is now the, it's called the Wolf Ties Crypto Academy. So my firm is called Wolf Ties. It's, I mean, it's not, it, I'm a partner here with 60 other partners or so. And, um, uh, and over the years, yeah, this has really grown into, into a very nice uh, uh, kind of event where I have trained, I think in the past more than a thousand participants uh, on crypto. So I've done really a lot of education. 
And uh, yeah, we, we, I, I mean, the, the people who come here, they're from, from um, many are lawyers, yeah, obviously, because I have lots of lawyer contacts. There are, there are uh, a few bankers, uh, a few people working for trust companies like private wealth advisors. Uh, and there are, over the years, there have been a lot of regulators uh, attending the course, which is great. So Austrian regulators from the Austrian um, uh, Financial Markets Authority, uh, which is good because they really have to understand this stuff. And uh, a few years ago, I had the feeling they did not understand this stuff, yeah. although uh, it might still be true for the one or the other person at the, at the regulator. Yeah? Oh, yeah, that's, well, it's great for you to get to educate the regulators. I mean, we, I, I always say, look, if, they, if any regulators want to come in and take any of our courses or just call me up for, for lessons or learn about crypto, I am always happy to do it because we definitely, it's not that we need them on their side. We need them to understand what, what's happening and not necessarily you know, be going with all the media and hype and, and what everyone else is saying out there in the news, but to really understand what's going on so that the, the regulation makes sense with the, the innovation, both financial and technical. So interesting, I, um, I kind of got into crypto in 2017 as well with that big run-up. Before that, I was one of those <laughs> typical financial people that said, oh, this, you know, th this is crap, this is going nowhere, I don't understand mm -hmm. it. And, you know, when it moved up, I said, this is probably something interesting that I should take a look at and learn about. And that's when I went down my proverbial rabbit hole as well, uh, learning about crypto it was 2017. I think that's when a lot of us got in. It was either 2017 or like 2020 when you had the pandemic and you had nothing else to do. Yeah, exactly. 2020, that, that was uh, also an incredible time uh, uh, with, uh, you know, DeFi taking off in, in, in March and, you uh, uh, lots of new projects being launched and this entirely new uh, ecosystem being being established. So what, what I really like about crypto is there's no lack of surprises. There's <laughs> no lack of innovation, of new topics. You always have new things to learn. And I'm, I'm a very curious person. I want to understand things. And uh, I have the feeling when, when you teach, uh, when you teach any topic that, that really helps you to, to, uh, to understand it better. Yeah? So that, that somehow explains why, why, I so, um, uh, why I'm so in love with, with teaching actually. Yeah, yeah that, that's great. I, I've found that myself is uh, the best way for me to learn it is to have to teach it to someone. Mm -hmm. um, let me ask this, uh, Nicholas, um, you mentioned that you, know, you practice tax law, which is the most boring part of, uh, of, of the law, <laughs> right? The most boring thing you could think of. So at your law firm, now that you've been teaching it and you've gotten interested, is there now a, a crypto part or a blockchain uh, um, portion or group of the law firm? And, and are you helping clients in, the, in that realm? Yeah, uh, I, I think the mentality has changed a lot. Yeah? And it's, it's similar to how society thinks about crypto and how the views have evolved over time. So in 2017, I got like uh, calls and comments from quite a number of partners saying, Okay, this stuff you're dealing with, this is just a waste of time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you really want to pursue that? Yeah, does that really make sense? Yeah, uh, and and uh, I got all sorts of um, like emails uh, where people forwarded uh, some article uh, by a journalist saying that all of this doesn't work. It's not scalable. Uh, it will uh, it will die shortly. Uh, it will crash and burn and and so on. And uh, over the years, uh, things have become more positive. I mean, uh, think of The Economist, uh, a very uh, a widely read uh, publication, very sort of sophisticated and, and very 
um, uh, sort of white shoe. And uh, last year, I mean, they I think they had several articles on, on on Bitcoin, on DeFi, very positive articles, even uh, on the on the uh, featuring sort of on on the cover page. And and people have become very appreciative that that I'm doing this. Yeah. So uh, the the mindset has has <laughs> somehow switched. And um, I have also established in the firm. It's called the uh, Volatile Crypto Club. So a, a group of people. Uh, who are interested in, in crypto. And the idea is to, uh, to have in every practice group, I mean, like in bank and finance, in, in litigation, in, in corporate, in commercial, and, and so on, in every group, uh, a few people who really understand crypto and um, who speak the language. I mean, if you have a client coming in uh, and, and you don't know what an NFT is, or you don't know uh, uh, how, how a crypto transaction works, uh, I mean, he will notice it after a few minutes yeah? and he will just say, okay, thank you. I'm moving to, to, to another firm. So you really need people who not only understand it, but who are also enthusiastic, who hold crypto assets themselves. So I've been trying to, to uh, educate people here. So this crypto academy that, that I'm uh, doing and where uh, people uh, basically pay to attend, uh, people from our firm can attend free of charge. Uh, so that's, uh, that has really sort of helped to, to raise awareness uh, within the firm. Yeah, that, that's great to help, especially like you said, with, finance, with, with professionals that are helping other people with their money or, or with their, their entities or with their taxes or, or their, their legal issues or something. Uh, ownership and property and all that is, as you and I both know really well, going to change significantly when we start talking about NFTs and, and tokenization. Um, let me ask this, Nicholas, you mentioned regulators coming in. What, not just in, in the form of regulation, but can you tell us a little bit about how crypto and decentralized finance and, and Web3 and everything is viewed and how it's used and thought of in Europe? Uh, because obviously we talk a lot about it in, in the US uh, and occasionally we'll talk about it in, you know, in other parts of the world where it's sorely needed. But to me, Europe is a little more like the U.S. in that you know you have Western democracies and you have a banking system and all that. So, how are uh, folks in Europe viewing uh, crypto, DeFi, Web three? Yeah, let me maybe begin with a negative, and uh, uh, I'll, I'll mention here how newspapers write about crypto. So, I had a small dispute with uh, one of the leading newspapers uh, because I wrote uh, an, an email to the I think it's called editor in chief, and and told him. Listen, I mean, all of your articles, and I, I did, uh, I did a, basically a survey and, and looked up uh, uh, all of the crypto articles that this newspaper had been publishing in the last year. All of them were exceedingly negative. There was not a single one which somehow mentioned a positive aspect of crypto. And they were even not only negative, they were like really uh, slanderous. <laughs> For example, the, the, the NFT article was focusing on some obscure NFT series I had never heard of, yeah, and which were a ripoff. Of course, I mean, you have that in every industry. You have really uh, uh, bad actors. And uh, so it was, uh, I mean, I would say uh, it was very, uh, um, um, uh, very sort of typical for the, uh, for the state of Austrian journalism and, and European journalism. So journalists are very, very negative, yeah, and um, they, they really do not uh, believe in the future for crypto. They, uh, they, they treat this subject very condescendingly, I would say. Yeah? Uh, I also mentioned uh, earlier the, the regulators uh, uh, and uh, uh, I basically the Austin Financial Markets Regulator, they get a discount when they, 
when they uh, attend the Wolfdice Crypto Academy, I really want them to, to attend. Uh, uh, and they are very, uh, they are very sort of, the people who attend, they're very interested. And uh, I think it really helps them to understand this, this subject better. Uh, uh, in principle, um, the regulator, if you can say it as a body, is rather critical of crypto. Um, and, and the same applies to banks. Let, let me let me uh, give you one uh, one uh, one or two episodes uh, anecdotes. Uh, there is uh, there was a newspaper article, an interview with the head of the Austrian uh, uh, regulatory agency, the Finanzmarkt uh, Aufsicht, and I think in the article I don't know it's the exact number cited, but I think it was that the this 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 guy said that eighty percent of crypto transactions, so eighty yeah, eight zero. 80%, I think it was 80%, 80% of all crypto transactions are fraudulent. <laughs> I mean, uh, Adam, you, you probably saw this Chainalysis report uh, that was issued just uh, a few weeks ago. I think the report said like 0.13% of, of crypto transactions are fraudulent. And I mean, Chainalysis is like really one of the leading blockchain analysis firms. Yeah? And they, they have this 100 page report where they really sort of <laughs> come through uh, transactions and they have a very clear methodology and it looks very serious. Yeah? And they have every incentive to, to actually blow up the figure and to say that it's a lot higher than, than that. Yeah? So, and they come up with this 0.13, whereas the, 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 uh, this, this newspaper interview, uh, this, this uh, head of the regulator says 80% uh, of all transactions. I think it was 80, yeah? but uh, we, we can look it up afterwards. So, I mean, uh, a very negative view, and maybe this view comes from, from cases that actually land at the regulator. Yeah? Uh, all of these uh, well-known cases, like, I don't know, all these uh, uh, super fantastic, extraordinary DeFi projects, yeah? like Aave or Compound or Uniswap, such cases do not, do not sort of uh, end up with a regulator, but you have all sorts of crypto scams of very, Sort of petty, uh, petty crime and and uh, all sorts of of uh, bogus investment schemes uh, that that are sort of couched in, in crypto uh, and and uh, where people uh, lose their hard earned savings, yeah, which is a catastrophe. But these cases landed at at the regulator's doorstep, and the regulator might have the perception this is crypto. Yeah? Crypto is only basically uh, some some investments and Ponzi scheme. Uh, where you invest the money uh, in crypto, yeah, and uh, and then somebody uh, runs off with, with the funds, yeah. So you have very, um, you have maybe your experience uh, uh, leads to a certain perception of reality, and the same is true with banks, yeah. Uh, I have done, uh, I do a lot of in-house seminars for law firms, yeah, and for also for banks. Uh, so I'm basically going through the list of, of Austrian banks. I have covered uh, the the larger ones already, and. Some are very open. They have uh, lots of um, ideas about blockchain and, and using uh, blockchain technology for all sorts of things. Not everything sounds very realistic, maybe, uh, but they have, some are very sort of optimistic, and others are very like uh, clouded by uh, by experiences. Yeah, so they have people who, I mean, a pensioner who, I mean, uh, had got this uh, investment opportunity and sent a hundred thousand euros. Uh, to 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 uh, exchange it into Bitcoin and send it to some <laughs> some fraudster and and all was lost and and now uh, the bank is being sued because they should have stopped the transaction 
and and they always get these these uh, letters from from lawyers uh, uh, with with legal action being threatened because they did not stop a transaction from occurring, and they should have filtered it and should have sort of uh, uh, told the, the the banking client not not to do this. Uh, so they they have really bad uh, a bad view, and, and they do not see what is going out there. They do not see the opportunities that, for example, DeFi would offer a bank. Yeah. So some really bad experiences and and bad uh, bad views of crypto. On the other hand, I mean you you have a very active uh, scene here of, of developers of people who really understand Web three, uh, who really understand that this is like this is a super interesting concept. Where many things, uh, many things can be can be uh, set up in a very different manner, and where where uh, all sorts of problems that we have from legacy systems might be overcome. But we can speak about Web three if uh, if you wish. Yeah. Oh, I I love talking about Web three, but how? So it, it also, I mean, it seems from from over here that there is some you know a, a lot of forward thinking when we look at like Switzerland right? Like a, a lot of you know, banks and, and crypto related companies, you know, kind of gotten together in Switzerland. We see that you all had what I believe it's MENA, which is, you know, some, you actually have some regulation over there in Europe. Uh, just, you know, as you and I are speaking, just, I think yesterday, uh, we have a, a new prime minister in, in Britain, who has in the past been very uh, outspoken uh, for crypto. So it seems like, you know, you, you all in Europe are kind of going in a, from a, at least a regulatory perspective in a, in a more forward path than we are. And it also seems that there is, you know, I don't know, part, possibly a bit more adoption. You obviously have the Swiss banking system uh, that, that is, you know, kind of been relatively pro-crypto, at least from what I've seen. Uh, France has been very big on, on things like NFTs and DeFi. I know a lot of uh, DeFi projects coming out of there. Um, so what is your, your thought, I guess, on not just the perception of it, but the actual use and, and adoption there of crypto? Yeah, uh, thank you, Adam. That, that is a great question. And you have um, uh, mentioned a few topics uh, that, uh, that really should be sort of discussed. So one is uh, one is uh, Switzerland. Yeah, you, you mentioned Switzerland's uh, very uh, uh, proactive stance in respect of crypto assets, and uh, that th there are many many service providers, custodians, uh, crypto exchanges, um, uh, all sorts of, of crypto businesses that have relocated to Switzerland, and uh, definitely uh, the Swiss somehow got it. They they understood. Okay, this is a super interesting technology, and we as a country. We really have to. Uh, we really have to pass laws to make this possible. Yeah, and and we really have to uh, get the regulator to to not try to stop it and not forbid it, but maybe work together with the industry. So Switzerland is technically. I mean, you you know, there's Europe and then there's the European Union, and it's not the same. Yeah. So Switzerland is in Europe, but it's not part of the European Union. It is it is basically outside of the EU. It, it does its own thing. Uh, but I think uh, the Swiss are very successful. They have really, uh, they have really, uh, there's this, uh, it's called Crypto Valley in Zug, which is near uh, uh, Zurich, an important uh, uh, city in, in Switzerland. And uh, you have all sorts of, of crypto startups there. There are other, other uh, cities as well. There's Lugano, for example, with very thriving community. And uh, speaking of Switzerland, next to Switzerland, there's Liechtenstein, which is also uh, outside of the EU. Uh, uh, and it also has uh, very 
sort of uh, very uh, proactive uh, stance. It has its own crypto legislation, uh, its Blockchain Act, as it is colloquially called, uh, in place since a few years already. Uh, a very, uh, a very approachable regulator, uh, a regulator with whom you can actually discuss things, yeah, and where you, with an open door, yeah? you can, you can uh, get in touch uh, as a crypto startup. Um, propose what you uh, explain what you're proposing to do and uh, and get feedback yeah and maybe also sort of tips into which direction to go uh, then you have Malta Malta is an EU member state uh, uh, same thing yeah Malta was very early on uh, in in uh, establishing its own uh, uh, sort of blockchain act or its own blockchain legislation uh, but Malta is in the EU uh, so this is again a bit uh, sort of special here, uh, and I would say that uh, Malta was maybe the template for this uh, piece of legislation that you also uh, mentioned. It's called MiCA, so that stands for Markets in Crypto Assets Regulation. Uh, a very uh, long uh, title. It's, uh, the acronym is MiCA, M-I-C-A-R, and uh, the I think that the Maltese legislation served as a template for MiCA. Yeah, and MiCA is is uh, basically the EU's response to the crypto revolution. Uh, uh, and Mika is trying to uh, establish a framework for regulation uh, all over Europe. Uh, Mika was uh, started uh, when, and you will remember that uh, like really long ago, uh, Facebook had this project of a stable coin, uh, Libra, uh, then Facebook changed its name and also the, the stable coin project changed its name. Uh, but uh, Mika, uh, but uh, this, uh, this, this stablecoin project, uh, Libra, uh, sent shockwaves out into the global community uh, of regulators, of central banks, of uh, 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 monetary authorities. And, um, uh, uh, and so the, the, the first reaction in Europe was to establish frameworks for such projects. Yeah? So a, a, a very large part of MIC actually deals with stable coins, with central stable coins, so with uh, fiat collateralized stable coins. So basically the Tether or uh, Libra model. Uh, and uh, that is one part. The other part of, of Libra, uh, of, sorry, the other part of Mika is uh, the regulation of services uh, connected with crypto. So any crypto exchange, any crypto custodian, any advisor on uh, uh, investments in crypto uh, will be uh, subject uh, subject to a, a, a regulation which is the same in the whole of, of the EU. So in every EU country, you will have the same type of regulation uh, for, for such services. And if you're regulated in one member state, in one EU member state, you will be able to piggyback on your license and offer the same services in every other EU member state without having to go through the hoops again there. So these are the, the two sort of uh, uh, most important aspects of Mika. The third one is uh, basically uh, market manipulation rules, uh, which currently apply only to, to, uh, to stocks, to listed shares. Uh, they will also be, uh, be applied to, uh, to crypto assets. So Mika is, uh, is uh, basically a very large uh, piece of legislation. It's like 300 pages or something. And uh, uh, it, it's very, we're very close to having, uh, to having this, uh, this bit of legislation being passed. 
Okay, well, that, that's great. So have you seen in, in your work with the, the law firm or just in general, have you seen more of an uptick in, in adoption? Because in, in the way I, I, would, I would kind of talk about adoption is there's obviously adoption. We, uh, you know, I as a financial advisor think of it in the US, which is people, you know, want to buy tokens and hope they go up in value and sometimes want to earn yield or something. But then there's adoption in businesses utilizing crypto, businesses getting paid or paying people in crypto, or people starting to you know, use, use stable coins for payments, um, people starting to you know, offload some of their treasury to wallets or, or multi-sig wallets or something, or, or even you know, larger firms, like you mentioned, pensions or, or whomever, uh, investing in crypto as part of a, a, of a plan, not as speculation, but as we're doing this because we see that it's better for uh, for our constituents or, or for, for those that we're trying to protect or for those that are our clients or whatever. Have you seen an uptick in, in adoption now? Maybe because the systems are better or safer, maybe because there's more understanding, maybe because you, Nicholas, have taught so many great lawyers and so many great financial professionals in Europe that you're adding to adoption all on your own. What, what have you seen I, I, either through the law firm or just outside there in terms of, of crypto adoption? Yeah, uh, and let me like be totally frank here, yeah? uh, uh, as in the rest of the interview, obviously. So uh, first of all, the profile of firms uh, that have uh, come to, to us for, for advice, yeah? that has definitely changed a bit. Uh, in in uh, 2017, when you had all these ICOs going on, uh, ICOs meaning basically uh, 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 offerings of financial instruments without the prospectus being filed, so unregistered securities offerings. Uh, in 2017 and, and uh, the years thereafter, uh, many of these companies were startups. Uh, they were um, basically unprofessional. Uh, they, they had unprofessional teams. Uh, they did not really have a budget uh, and um, they were very fringy. Yeah? So the, 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 the profile that we are now seeing of, of, of businesses uh, interested in, in crypto, it really has changed. I mean, you still have these like, uh, I don't know, four or five people, uh, like more or less uh, young adults, uh, teenagers, uh, who, uh, who are sort of embarking on some wild uh, crypto uh, idea. But we are also seeing more and more like really serious companies, yeah, like really, very large uh, crypto exchanges uh, coming to Austria, or um, uh, we, we have this, uh, there was this one firm, which consists of um, basically, I mean, I think nearly everybody there has a, has an investment banking background, very serious players, and, and uh, incredible, uh, incredible uh, uh, people working there. Yeah. So I think the, the, um, the, the profile has changed. Yeah. Uh, the, the people uh, who are coming for advice uh, have definitely become more sophisticated. However, uh, what I don't think is that crypto has become mainstream. Yeah? Certainly not. Yeah? We have certainly not seen uh, like a, the real influx of businesses paying their employees in crypto, getting paid in crypto, uh, uh, being like uh, doing the treasury management uh, with DeFi protocols. We are far from that. Yeah. So uh, adoption of crypto is still way off. Yeah. I mean, I've been doing my courses, uh, but but they have not have have not the effect that uh, the total that the landscape has totally shifted. Yeah. So that that would be an exaggeration. We are still very much uh, the first basically generation. We're still very much the vanguard 
uh, and and it will take some some time until that happens. Yeah. So uh, I hope I'm not disappointing you, uh, but it's uh, I think we have to be realistic. Yeah. Uh, right. This is this is like a really new area, and uh, the thing that has happened since 2017 is that it is people don't laugh at crypto. Yeah. I mean, there's still still people like um, Warren Buffett. Or this, uh, um, what was the name of this professor from NYU Stern, uh, who is always uh, uh, Professor uh, Doom, I think is his name. Right. Uh, I, I forgot what, what his name is, but uh, he, yeah. he uh, always sort of making fun. I mean, there's still like people making fun of crypto, no question about that. But for most people, I think most people are saying crypto is interesting, it's here to stay. Yeah. And, and we really have to understand it better to learn about it. Whereas, I mean, five years ago, most people were saying crypto will probably fail, yeah? and I'm not interested in it. It's it's a scam. Yeah? So I think the mindset has shifted that we have managed to sort of accomplish in the last five years, uh, but it has not yet like permeated our uh, payment systems and and uh, and sort of uh, had had a real uh, effect that that everything is now running on crypto. <laughs> So that, that has not happened, yeah. But we a lot has happened in the last five years, yeah. And and uh, there are people who say in, in five years ago, people who said that uh, 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 that crypto is great, they were the outsiders. They were sort of the uh, people who were seen as uh, sort of um, uh, somehow strange. Whereas now, uh, I think uh, most people would admit crypto is an interesting invention, and uh, they. Could be a future, and and uh, the minorities maybe those who say that uh, this doesn't work, yeah, and it's only a scam. Everything in crypto is a scam. Right. So we're we're slowly getting there, right? And and that's kind of what I see too. Is like we, uh, what I always say here in in the U.S. is crypto is. I mean, honestly, something we don't absolutely need right now. We don't need DeFi. We don't need crypto. We don't need Web three. We're kind of functioning okay without it. Uh, it's I, I feel like there's more adoption in those parts of the world, those regions where it really is needed because because you can't trust the banks and you can't trust that your fiat currency is going to worth be worth the same tomorrow as it is today. Uh, and and you don't know if the banks are going to open things like that, that that you can't trust. Whereas where you and I both live. Um, as much as we want to make fun as, and, and all that, like we can kind of trust our banking system. We can kind of trust most of the systems there. Um, and, and so there's not nearly as much of a need for crypto. Therefore, the adoption is going to be a little bit slower. And as you said, there's going to be those naysayers always that say it's scams and it's not going to work and it's not going to scale. But I like the fact that now the, the negatives have been it won't scale and not so much it won't work at all. It's okay now. It's it's working just fine, but can it can it be bigger? Can it in, encompass most of the financial system? Can it encompass a lot of other systems we have? And I like the conversation going more towards scalability than it is than towards will it survive at all, right? So at least we've progressed that far. Yeah, true. No, I I, I totally agree, Adam. Um, uh, we we maybe do not need crypto as much as people in in less developed countries. Uh, where, as you said, you, you don't trust the government, you don't trust the banks, uh, really bad things can happen, you need a self-sovereign possibility to store your wealth. And uh, here in Europe and, and where you are in the US, uh, you can still pretty much 
trust uh, the government and banks. Uh, bad things could happen, but they normally don't happen. Uh, things might accelerate, of course. Yeah? I mean, if you have massive rampant inflation, uh, or if uh, then banks go bust, or if even the Eurozone uh, collapses, the European Central Bank, uh, then, then things might change. Yeah? And that might come sooner rather than later. We, we'll see. Yeah? <laughs> I don't want to be Professor Doom here, uh, uh, but uh, uh, there are, I mean, the, the situation could, uh, could, uh, could uh, deteriorate. Yeah? Oh, yeah. So, I mean, it, it definitely could. I, I like the direction we're going. I'm okay with a little bit slower adoption because as you and I both know with this technology, um, it, it's not so much that there are scammers out there, but you start putting too much money into some of these, you know, decentralized protocols and such. And, you know, there's one little hack or one little exploit and all of a sudden a whole lot of money can be taken out of the system very quickly. So I'm kind of okay at times with slower progress because it means we're going to be a little safer and secure. And when we start onboarding more people and more money, uh, it's going to be that much safer for them, right? It's going to yeah, make that yeah. much now, more uh, DeFi is, uh, DeFi is probably the part of crypto I like most. Uh, it's, uh, uh, it's, really, it's really incredible. And, uh, and maybe we had a bit of an unhealthy pace. Yeah? So things were going so fast since 2020. Uh, so many things uh, being launched, so much competition, which drove teams to like really, you know, launch uh, projects too fast without checking the code, without getting uh, independent audits, uh, without maybe putting in limits on what you can put in there uh, on the sort of the value that you can uh, transfer to the smart contract. And uh, that would have saved us a lot of headaches yeah? and lots of uh, work, work pulls and, and uh, lots of uh, uh, cases where uh, where, where, where code was uh, faulty and, and where somebody, some hacker found that out. Yeah? So now in this bear market scenario, uh, uh, now is the time to, to look at the code yeah? and improve and uh, bet things uh, and uh, maybe come up with new technology to, to prevent these really bad exploits that had happened in, in the last months. Yeah? I, I was uh, uh, interestingly looking at uh, uh, I was trying to find out what are the largest bank robberies that happened in the past. Yeah, uh, so where people physically going to a bank uh, uh, and uh, maybe uh, uh, digging a tunnel or uh, with, with with weapons uh, and and then heading off with 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 money. Yeah, and I tried to find out what is the largest amount. It was somewhere above. I don't know the exact number, but it was maybe a hundred million or so. Uh, it happens really rarely. Yeah, so they're not. Most most bank robberies are very very small affairs, yeah, and you don't really get rich with with a with robbing a bank. But in DeFi, yeah, I mean, think of all these things that happen with these bridges, yeah, and uh, uh, for example, this this X Infinity side chain, Ronin side chain. Uh, I mean, you you the the, the 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 norm is like it's at least two hundred million, yeah, and sometimes it goes up to six hundred something million, yeah. So this is like. This is just incredible. And, and uh, uh, basically, if you are in DeFi, uh, if you play around a bit, it is just a matter of time until you will be subject to some, some, some hack. Yeah? So uh, or, or think, of, of, um, um, uh, uh, think of UST, uh, uh, Terra, uh, Terra Luna. Uh, I mean, the things that, that happen in this space, they are, they are breathtaking. Yeah? And maybe it's good that we have a bit less um, 
less pressure and, and less uh, of this heated competition and, and people have more time to really look at the code yeah, and, and come up with some strategies to minimize exposure because this is like, this is just too dangerous. Yeah? And uh, without uh, adequate uh, safeguards, we have to be careful there. Yeah, yeah and, and it seems like there are also more people building solutions to help with the safety and security to help us understand what we're doing. And then uh, it, it's also giving the opportunity, this kind of down market or bear market is giving the opportunity for more people to learn about it, more professionals to learn about it. And of course, uh, I'm being a, a little bit self-centered here talking about how awesome it is that that professionals learn about this, which I want to go into. I want to ask one quick question. I know we're, we are, you know, really stretching out this podcast, but you said something really interesting. And I have to ask, you said DeFi is probably your favorite subject, your favorite subject within crypto. Why is that? It's, I mean, it's mine as well, but I, I want to hear from you why, why DeFi is your favorite, why you like talking about it. Yeah, it's uh, some people will say because of the yields. Yeah, <laughs> now, but I think uh, what I like so much about DeFi is this concept that you write that basically you have um, you can build stuff which in the normal world you cannot do. I mean, in the normal world you cannot have three young people opening up a bank. It just doesn't work. But with DeFi, you have limitless possibilities. If you're smart, you can open up your own bank. Uh, you can uh, basically also take stuff that people have written. Uh, all of this is open source. You can download the code, you can tweak it, you can modify it, uh, you can progress very fast, you can innovate, you can build, you can stand on other, on, or you can stand on the shoulders of giants uh, and, and take work that has been done already, uh, modify it a bit, come up with your own solution, you can iterate. And you have so fast uh, innovation. Uh, the whole atmosphere of DeFi is is, is fantastic because it's it's so much. Uh, we want to we want to have we want to move forward together as a community. And I find this like uh, I find this just just incredible. The the normal business world is so stagnant. You have IP protection. You have I mean everybody has his business plan, which is not open uh, for inspection. It's just in some corporate drawer uh, and only for for uh, a certain uh, class of, of employees to, to look at uh, and and here in DeFi everything is in the open you can you can look into these these protocols there is also a point you can look into these protocols and see in real time how they are doing yeah you cannot look into um, I don't know JP Morgan and and see at this point in time what is the what does their balance sheet look like what is the exposure to certain uh, uh, products yeah uh, but but in DeFi, I mean everything is transparent. You can look, you can get information, you can compare things. Uh, so uh, it's it's like a totally new world. Yeah, and this is this is uh, why I like it. Yeah, the the pace of innovation, the the uh, the sort of there's no no protective barrier to, to competition. Uh, things go fast. It's a community effort. Uh, so um, yeah, and of course the 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 yield is also interesting. I mean. Uh, it has gone down, yeah, we, we know that, but uh, uh, it was, uh, there's also something that there, there's free competition, yeah, there's no European Central Bank or Fed which maintains interest rates uh, where, where you have a small group of people who basically roll a dice, yeah, so it's, uh, everything is, is free market, yeah, it's, it's supply and demand, and that, that, uh, uh, that is sort of a, a free, uh, free economy. Uh, so that maybe sums up why uh, why I like DeFi. 
Yeah, I, I like it for a lot of those reasons. I like it because it's, um, it's giving new opportunities for, for different income, for different yield opportunities, basically for people to participate in the financial markets in ways that were only available to large companies like banks and insurance companies and you know, hedge funds and monster institutions in the past. It's opening up and giving everyone the opportunity to participate in those parts of the financial system. Some of them are going to end poorly, as we know. Some of them are not going to work out and people are going to lose money. Um, but I, I like the experimentation. I, I like the idea of saying we have the technology available. We might as well start going down this direction and there are going to be some bumps along the way, but we have to figure out our way past it. We have to figure out how to make it safer and more secure and how to, and how to make the incentive mechanisms better. And we're, we're doing that. We're just doing that at a really rapid pace compared to how the current financial system was built. Yeah, if you think about uh, the current financial system, uh, there is no pace, there's no speed. I mean, uh, I mean, we are in the 21st century, and if I were to send you money electronically, you would not get it instantaneously. You would not get it within 10 seconds. Yeah? Although, you know, so much time has passed since we introduced computers to, to banks. Yeah? So you would expect that uh, this problem would have been solved. It has not been. And uh, in, in, in our world of, of, of DeFi, everything is instantaneous. And I think DeFi very much caters to this uh, millennial generation who are like using their smartphones for everything. Everything works like instantaneously, is free of cost. Uh, you, you just do two or three clicks and, and you, you get the result. Yeah? And, and DeFi, really, DeFi really does away with these paper forms and uh, registration requirements and you have bank opening hours, all the tedious stuff. So this is really, this is really the future. And this is, I think, why, uh, why, why uh, millennials will, uh, will love or actually love this. Yeah? All right, well, let's, let's pivot now and talk to actually about the, the course. You've been teaching it for, uh, tell us like how long you've been teaching it for and, and you already kind of said here are the professionals that come in and you have a, a new one starting up uh, soon, which is going to be the first one that's CDAA, CDAA eligible, but we are going to retroactively, I believe, make you know, some previous cohorts of your course eligible to come be certified digital asset advisors. So tell us a little about the course as you've been teaching it, as you're going to, and then what made you want to uh, be a part of a certified digital asset advisor? Yeah, uh, when I started the course in, in 2017, it originally was an, I think it was an eight hour course. And over the years, it has grown, lo grown longer and longer. Uh, uh, the last cohort I did was, I think in May uh, uh, of, of this year. Uh, at that point, it was 16 hours, but the course, which is starting on the 7th of November, uh, this is now a 20-hour course, yeah? and uh, I think 20 hours, I can uh, uh, squeeze in everything that people really need to know about, about this world of crypto. So the, the, um, uh, uh, the, the premise here is that when you do the course, uh, it's called From Zero to Hero. So you go in, you have no idea about crypto and you come out and have a super understanding how things work, uh, all the terminology, you've tried out stuff. Uh, you can really sort of, uh, uh, under, you really understand uh, what this is about. Uh, so it's a 20 hour course. Uh, uh, basically it's over uh, 10 days. Yeah? So you do it, uh, um, uh, basically it's, it's two weeks, Monday to Friday and another next week, Monday to Friday. Uh, it's uh, Central European time around noon. 
so uh, which makes it possible for people in the US but also in Asia to, to participate. It's virtual. Uh, so uh, basically uh, you, you dial in via, via this platform uh, through your computer. Uh, the, the sessions are recorded. So you can, if you miss a session, uh, you can still uh, sort of uh, uh, watch a replay of, of what happened. Uh, you get all the materials. Uh, and, and the best thing is that, uh, as you already mentioned, uh, the core that is doing it now uh, uh, will be able to, uh, to apply for the uh, CDAA uh, certification, which is a fantastic add-on. Uh, and, uh, and I think it's, it's great that, that we were able sort of to offer that together. So Adam, thank you very much for, uh, for approving this course as, as a CDAA uh, course. Uh, I, I think um, uh, uh, what after this course, after I'm through with this course, I will uh, uh, send an email to all the participants in the past uh, and uh, there will be a bit of sort of uh, update that they have to do, but uh, they will also be become eligible to uh, to uh, sort of go for the uh, for the exam and the, and the certification. Um, yeah, uh, what else is to, is there to say about the course? It's um, uh, it's in English, uh, so we uh, we are not sort of uh, doing it in German because that would be too too narrow. Uh, uh, I have, I mean, I think I had. Um, uh, nearly a hundred uh, cities that, that people were from in, in the past. So it's all over Europe. And uh, uh, there were a few attendees from, from the US in the past. I hope uh, by moving it to, to noonish uh, Central European time that they will also get uh, people from Asia to join. And um, uh, at the maximum, I had, I think, 150 people or so. So really, really large numbers. Uh, uh, in this bear market will probably be, be a bit less, uh, uh, but um, uh, the course has really grown over time. And I think I've also become more professional. Uh, uh, definitely in the beginning, I was an amateur uh, in, in public speaking. Maybe I'm a bit better now than, than, than in the beginning. And uh, I think what people really like about this course, it's not, it's not a, a very academic course taught by some professor who has not tried out things. It's a course by somebody who is really, really, uh, really loves this stuff, who is really crazy about it, who has tried out everything. And uh, I can give like hand, hands-on uh, impression of what I've seen, what I've done. Uh, and, and, and people really appreciate this enthusiasm. Yeah, so that's, that's basically uh, uh, the, the, the short summary of why somebody should attend the course. Yeah, because I'm really enthusiastic about the stuff and really like to teach people how this, how this works. Yeah. And, and the beauty now, Nicholas, if, if you started in 2017 and, and you moved till now, the beauty of it is anyone learning it, the, the financial or, or the professionals, right? The, uh, the attorneys, the bankers, the, um, the, the trust companies, whoever is going to be there now, there's actually something for them to implement, right? There's actually use cases out there. So there are places that they are, they are likely going to find where they, can, uh, where they can utilize their knowledge and utilize their, their new expertise rather than the past when it was maybe, you know, very theoretical, here's what we think might happen in the future. And now you can go, this is actually happening. Here's where billions of dollars are locked in DeFi. And here's where the, the protocols are going. And here's what you can do with insurance or here's how you can invest money. N now, now it's actually happening and it's less theoretical and more practical. Yeah, you're, you're totally right. In 2017, I mean, we had Ethereum, which is this platform you can run smart contracts. So what, yeah, and you had these ICOs. Okay, a lot of them were 
were scammy or unprofessional and uh, or maybe just adventurous. Uh, so it was interesting, yeah? It was interesting, but not something you could really apply yeah? uh, for your own money or if you manage other people's money. But now we're coming into, with the DeFi, we're coming into more serious practical applications. Yeah? And so it's getting, uh, it's getting sort of really something that, that you can, that you can use, that's something that you can you yourself uh, make use of. So, well, Nicholas, we're so excited that, that you, uh, one, you're teaching this course and two, that it's now eligible for a certified digital asset advisor designation. And we hope there'll be more professionals uh, over there from Europe that are CDAAs and, and we'll see the value more of their banks, more of the clients. So we, we'll see the value of their professional understanding crypto and, and digital assets. Uh, and also, I want to thank you for, for spending so much time with us here today. I know I told you it'd be about 20 minutes, and here we are at probably 40 or something, but uh, enjoy the conversation. I, I don't get to uh, chat with too many crypto and DeFi literate attorneys in Europe very often. So the, the, the ability to have that conversation uh, and then that the we just happen to record it, uh, all the better. So thank you so much for, for the time and for what you're doing over there. Yeah, thank you very much, Adam, first of all, for the interview, but also for, for getting in touch. Uh, I think that was a year ago or so, and, and uh, for proposing this, this cooperation, which is fantastic. I think it's a win-win, and I think we'll really move things forward with, uh, uh, with this, uh, with this uh, sort of collabor collaboration. Right. And, and just before we sign off here, can you tell us the, the website? Where can someone go to, to actually uh, register for the course? Uh, yeah, uh, I am doing, I'm using this, uh, this platform, which is called Webinar Ninja. Uh, uh, and I don't really, I mean, it's a very, very uh, long uh, uh, URL you have to type in. Probably okay. the best would be if you go to our firm's website and click on, on my name. Uh, so our firm is called Wolf Ties. So it's www.wolfthei.com. And then uh, click on my name, Nicholas Schmidt, and you'll find the link to the Wolf Ties Crypto Academy, and and then then you will sort of uh, be, uh, be be brought to the uh, to this website with this really long URL. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, Nicholas. I hope you have a a, a wonderful uh, rest of your evening there, rest of your week. I uh, hope you have a a great course. We're we're looking forward to it and looking forward to making you and so many of your other uh, students part of CDAA and, and Planner DAO. Super, thank you very much, Adam. All the best to you too, thank you.